0: Welcome to The Practice Podcast, a show created by lawyers to help lawyers in life and business without all the complicated lawyer language. Let's welcome Bast Amron founders and your hosts, Jeff Bast and Brett Amron. This is Brett Amron, and welcome to The Practice Podcast. And I am Jeff Bast, and today we are excited to welcome a special guest, Adam Mopsik, Adam has over 25 years of experience in the construction and real estate industry. He is also a lead accredited licensed state of Florida general contractor at the ripe age of 24, which is many, many years ago. He decided to start his own construction company and he eventually formed Amicon Construction, which is today consistently recognized as a market leader for premier construction related services throughout South Florida. If you live in South Florida, you have seen an Amicon sign on the construction site. They're everywhere. In 2005, Adam formed Amicon Management to provide owner's representation services. He is the CEO and director of Amicon Management, and that company or that division provides him a very unique and comprehensive view of the real estate and construction industry, one that I think most in the construction industry don't get to see. So, Welcome, Adam.
1: Thank you. You said that better than, than I could. So oh. <laughs> thank you for having me. <laughs> well, if he's I bit, left
0: anything out, I don't know. He's
1: available for hire it's, if you need him. We definitely need him. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you.
0: Yeah, we're happy to have you, Adam. So you started this business 25 years ago. I know it's changed, and then you started a new business. How do you manage, You know, just to begin, how do you manage two thriving companies like that?
1: Well, owner representation was formed, really started growing You know, we started it before the recession, but it really took off during the recession as a supplemental way to kind of create additional income for the business. And there's just a huge need in South Florida for leadership and organization on projects. Anybody who's done a construction project knows that they typically don't go well. They're Mm. usually people, you know, it takes up a lot of time. They end up fighting with members of the team. So I think we provide a a need in the market. There's a huge niche, and we've just grown every single year, and it's become a real important part of our business. We love it because it allows us to see the market, as you said, from a completely different perspective. look at it from the owner's standpoint and really um, understanding what are the owner's goals or developer or whoever they are, what they're trying to achieve, as opposed to as a GC just being one small part of that, we have a broader view and a whole perspective of the market. So that's what we like about it.
0: And so on that owner's rep side, you would do work for individuals who might, you know,
1: luxury home owners or- several different market sectors. Businesses, what? We'll do high-end luxury homes for individuals who maybe don't have that experience or time. We're working right now for lots of developers, even large developers, large local developers you know of, who just they can't find people. As you know, it's a really difficult labor market, and so they're outsourcing that service to us. We're doing a lot of developer work, a lot of nonprofits. We're working right now for schools, religious institutions, law firms, s- law firms, <laughs> you know, commercial developers. We should disclose um, that Bass Dameron is a customer of Amazon. Bass Dameron is is, uh, is an amazing client. So I know we're. Anywhere that we can help. There's a lot of nonprofits, a lot of condo associations. Anyone who, you know, it's a volunteer-led group that doesn't have the professional in-house oversight team, we can provide that service and fill
2: in. So it's a broad, broad client base. And so in terms of that service and the owner representation, what have you seen over the 25 years in terms of those changes? Changes to the market here in Miami and changes to your business? Well, Miami is an amazing
1: market, right? It just attracts people all the time it's attracting different groups, but those groups change. It ebbs and flows. Who's coming and why? And so now and maybe we'll talk about this or, you know, people coming as a result of COVID, right? For different reasons from different parts of the market. There's people coming here from South America for different political reasons or economic reasons. You know, there were people coming post-recession for other types of reasons. So it's really been interesting to see where people are coming from and why and at what time. Earlier this year, luxury residential was like nothing we'd ever seen before. Now right. it's, you know, developers who are coming into South Florida. So And then need is just it's always there. There's generally regarded as a lower quality of service in the construction industry here than maybe in, you know, the northeast or other markets and so it's hard to do business here. So people need a local expert with boots on the ground with a big network and that's you know that provides a big void
0: is that true I mean you said that there's
1: a perception that there's a lower quality of service here is there a lower quality look I love South Florida I love Miami I would never want to say anything negative about about our market I'm not going to tell you whether I think it's better or worse there's it's a more transient market so you get a lot of people who are kind of in and out who aren't you know local here as opposed to maybe other you know places Chicago New York etc where it's more generational and you just and there's more unions and people maybe are better trained. And so I understand where that perception could come from, Mm -hmm. but you know, it's not the as bad as it may be, right. you know, perceived some some ways. We you know we like our market. We like the people who work.
2: But I think like anywhere, it's certainly <laughs> helpful to have somebody local who knows the market on the ground, especially if you're coming into the market. Like you said, there are developers coming from outside the market. Big developers, small developers. There's yep. a lot
1: of people who want to invest here, and you know, or they it's their second career or it's some other supplemental form of income. but They don't have an in-house development team, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of places where you can make mistakes, and they could be very costly. So it's an insurance policy to have some local professional who can really help manage that and handle the market and understand who the network is of people you want to work with or not. So that's a you know that's an important piece of it. And you guys are the largest locally owned. I think so. Services. I think we're the largest locally based firm. I mean, there are some other national firms or international firms who may have a small office here, but they're not based here in South Florida. So I don't know of another group that has as big of an office locally.
2: And I, and I know for me personally, I mean, it's very hard, and I hear it from all you know, the people that we sort of interact with, that it's very hard to get people to come out and do work even at a home, forget a luxury home or a building. Uh, it's very hard to get people to come out now. Do you find that? Are you seeing that in a trend? And if so, here locally, do you hear about that outside of South Well, Florida there's too? a lot of issues, right? The, I mean, you're hearing nationally
1: there's labor issues. Right. Uh, it's hard. There's simply not enough people here to do the work. And there's other broader issues of why there's not enough people in the workforce. There's other things we can kind of talk about, but in answer to your question, yeah, yeah I mean, and it's hard to get people to do jobs that are complicated or not that big or where there's other work available for these crews, right. wh- whatever they are, whether it's a painter or electrician or, you know, a high-end general contractor. I think it's really important to understand the network of the type of professionals that you're talking to and finding the right exact fit for those types of projects and so that you're not using people the wrong fit if it's somebody too big or if it's somebody too small right. I mean just like in law or anything else right there's, there's medicine I mean there, there's experts at a certain thing you don't want to use uh, you don't want to find somebody who builds towers to come to your restaurant or somebody who you know does residential and commercial, you want to find specialists, we like to, who mm-hmm. really specialize in a certain space. And there are people who specialize in small projects as well. You want to have that network to be able to you know, to focus on those groups. But it is hard. I mean, it's definitely difficult right now to get people to respond, to get subs to bid. There's just so much work, you know, and it's hard to get people
2: to respond. So speaking of that, I mean, there's so much work, obviously, and we've seen it, right? The towers, and we've heard about it. I mean, Miami, from what I've heard over the years, has had like this boom or bust, you know, type a reputation, right? So right now it's in a boom. Are you seeing that? And are you seeing that as a trend that's going to continue? So I say they say boom or bust. I mean, I've only seen the one bust. Really, I mean, there were
1: even in 2001 Mm -hmm. when the market, you know, kind of dipped or tanked. It didn't really slow down real estate. In fact, it accelerated. People were pulling money out of other investment vehicles and putting it into real estate. So yes, 2008, nine, but we did recover really quickly out of that. And people want to be here, and they were continue to want to be here. So right now we're seeing, you know, things were. Everybody in the world was cautious at the beginning of COVID. I don't think things were maybe suspended as people figured it out, but we're talking months, not years. And then just about every single thing we had got restarted. Every project that had been put on hold. We had a a handful of projects. I think 20% of the projects were suspended for, I think maybe the longest was four or five months. And then everything just short. got unstuck. Yeah, and that wasn't even all of them. I mean, it was just a small group. And so I think there's other markets that are suffering worse. But I mean, I'm sure you guys are seeing it as well. There's a huge flight out of the Northeast. There's people coming for tax reasons, political reasons, weather. But we, as long as we have low taxes and mm-hmm. great weather, people are coming here. Yeah. And so I don't think that it's the same as maybe it was in other markets where everybody was buying a condo on credit. You know, and, and the, which led to some of the collapse sure. in 2007. People People are buying stuff for cash, they're investing here. and it's you know a lot of wealthy international and national investors who are coming here into South Florida. And we're, it's much more of a, a meaningful flight of people here than right. we've ever seen. We've well, I think never. now it's
0: more, correct me if I'm wrong, but more domestic. It, it's always traditionally been international. We've always had it, you know, people coming from Latin America, Central and South America to
1: Miami. Now we have a domestic flight from New York, California, Chicago, wherever else. That's what we're seeing right now because a lot of the travel restrictions is making it a little bit difficult. You're still seeing some international, but less. But I think that's all starting, you know, we'll start to open up as travel restrictions get less and less. (laughs) So I I don't see things slowing down anytime really soon. And nobody that I speak to feels that way.
2: Yeah, so a lot of the work we're seeing now, because constructors are a huge lag in time for construction, right? And so a lot of the work we're seeing now was already in the pipeline, right? And so what are you seeing a trend for more new projects that are going to come online in the year, two years out from now? So I think we're seeing now, prices have gone up so much in real estate, and certainly in residential.
1: And a lot of developers are coming in here now targeting the rental market, because it's becoming so difficult for first time home buyers to get into the market now mm-hmm. because prices have gone up so high. And it's almost like Miami is becoming like New York or San Francisco or one of these other larger metros where it's very difficult for first time home buyers. So developers are looking towards micro units or highly amenitized, more affordable entry level apartments. And just in general, there are the big groups that are buying up large quantities of single-family homes and just holding on them for the rental market and looking at the rental market as a huge growth opportunity for the next several years here. Mm -hmm. So we're seeing a lot of that. But the flight of people coming in has led to expansions of all kinds of things, private schools, religious institutions, high-end retail, hospitality restaurants, all of those that benefit from Mm -hmm. people coming here to this market and spending money. And all of those things lead to modifications and construction projects. So we saw, I think during you know the beginning part of the pandemic, the office market was really depressed because just offices weren't sure where things were gonna go. And now we have all these businesses moving here and that has completely changed that market. So the commercial
2: office market is now back as strong as it was. So it's interesting to watch and how quickly things are changing. And yeah, it'll continue. be interesting to see if the local governments, whether it be state or county or city, actually modify the infrastructure to address the flood, you know the, the to all, keep up with it you to mean? keep up with <laughs> yeah, it. I mean, yeah, yeah. right? We yeah. we've seen traffic is getting worse. We don't have mass trans like great mass transit here, and so if that's you start- the biggest question for the city. I yeah. really think long term is infrastructure. Yeah, I mean, it was
1: never it was a you know it was a sleepy beach town not right. that long ago, right? A like hundred right. years ago, right? Mean, the city is not. not even, an old, yeah. It doesn't. Yeah. You know, you look at compared to other cities nationally or internationally it's in, in its infancy, and so yes, that is a big issue. Do we, will we be able to develop the infrastructure as quickly as we need to to prevent mm-hmm some of those issues but a lot of the major metro cities have some of the same issues traffic issues etc I mean are we going to address sea level rise I mean what are the things that we need to start looking for long term for the health of the city Yeah, we tend to be victims of our own success you know for sure
0: well you know I think that's all you know fascinating and what's interesting is that when one sector of the market Declines or slows down. It seems like another one props up. But your view, because we have a lot of listeners who are lawyers and real estate lawyers among them, your view is that deal
1: flow transactions are going to continue to, for sure, accelerate. Yeah, absolutely. So you know, there's different parts of the market, and depending upon where you focus. I mean, th- obviously, high end luxury residential has blown the roof off any ceilings that we ever had. Right. So that part of the market is obviously going to continue to expand. So. And then there's a lot of adaptive reuse. And this is some of it as a related to COVID. So what happens to certain types of businesses as they change, right? Mm-hmm. Is big box retail, which was maybe teetering before COVID was now the final straw, right? It just accelerated mm-hmm. some of the trends that maybe we were already seeing. And so you're seeing some of that. So what happens to some of these spaces now have to be repurposed? You know, we built a store that was a, a Michael's, you know, superstore in Miami Beach. Michael's is no longer there. Now they're changing the store. They have to come up with a different use for those types of businesses. So I think you're going to see more of that. So we're working with several schools now. I mean, schools are really trying to expand and improve, and maybe some of these things were kind of in motion before, mm-hmm. but to meet the demand of people moving in who want you know, the best education or private school educations for their kids. I might have got off track from, some, from one of your initial questions, but the, which of the market sectors that we're seeing? I think hospitality always is, and that's something that has to be renovated. You know, generally every seven years you'll see the right. hotels come in and, mm. and do, you know, yeah. renovations. But that market which was decimated for part of twenty twenty is now yeah. on fire. Right.
0: Wow. Well,
2: I'm glad to hear about tech firms and finance firms coming down because traditionally, right, the question's always, what's the industry down here? Tourism. Right. Was Tourism always, was yeah. the industry and some other small stuff. But I think And I think you alluded to this early about, you know, Miami moving towards New York and San Francisco and housing and things, but we need the industry here to sustain, right, growth and to sustain the pricing. Are you hearing about, you know, given the construction, you're hearing about businesses moving down and more focused on certain industries or just sort of broad brush? I think a lot with what happened, so COVID allowed for flexibility of people to work in
1: remote areas. Mm -hmm. So the minute that people aren't required to be in New York or wherever they are downtown, um, some of those businesses still haven't come back. And so that gives the flexibility to find people, you know, a way to work remotely. And they're Mm -hmm. choosing to work in places that are nicer to live. So, I mean, you're seeing it in some of the other Types of nicer places, Colorado, etc., where people are just working remotely, sure. but definitely here in South Florida. So you're seeing entire businesses now that are relocating. Where mm-hmm. Maybe before it was just those principals or leadership had relocated. Now they're moving the entire businesses here. You know, Blackstone and some of the other bigger you know financial institutions that are coming. And I think the city has done a really nice job as a push to become a major tech hub. And that's like you said, is something that's been needed for a long time. So that's know yeah. it's been positive. Let me ask you, um, shifting gears a little bit, the last
0: crash in 2008 was mostly driven by, at least here, by the condo market, which was a lot of speculators buying in condos. And now, this past year, we have this horrible tragedy in Surfside, where a condominium sustained a tragic end, I guess. And how is that impacting the? Do you see an impact on from Surfside on the, on well, that, the condo market well, now? Well, that's super
1: interesting by itself, that whole topic around Surfside. Should I we mean, do a whole separate podcast? Well, I, we probably that. should. I mean, <laughs> that was obviously a horrific tragedy, one that we we're very closely following. And we do a lot of work for condo associations and right. managing those types of projects. So that was, I think you're going to see more of a, a separation between older buildings. Mm-hmm. That and l- let me just say, I mean, this, I think some of the engineering that has come out is it was specific to that building. Not that we don't see some of those right. issues, but there was very specific acute issues with that building. It's not right. like every building of those ages are you know right. at risk of falling right. down. Right. Right. But I think there's a market perception that people would probably want to lean towards newer buildings and maybe some that have been better maintained that don't have some of the the big problem with condo associations is they kick the can down the line, leave it to the next group, sure. and they have deferred maintenance. They don't take care of some of those That's, situations, waterproofing, yeah. et cetera. It's well, not
0: a problem unique to condo associations, but, no. governments, and everyone but, has a tendency to take I know, but
2: I, I will go on record and I've said it a lot, is that to me, the condo law is one of the worst on the books and just the way it's structured. I understand the need for it and I understand giving the homeowners and the owners, the units, the power, but it needs to be I couldn't agree with you more and oversight. Yeah. I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, yeah. I've sat in so many condo board meetings where, you know,
1: and everybody has different motivations. So somebody who's maybe selling their unit in the next six months, right. they don't want that assessment. They don't want the building under construction. Right. You know, Know, for whatever reason, they're just, their motivations are different, right? They have a different yeah. cost basis. They bought 20 years ago versus someone who bought last year. And so it just it's, it just creates conflict and people end up pushing those issues down the line. And I think maybe if there's any bright spot that comes from Surfside right. is, is be, a focus on some yeah. of the legislation yeah. or requirements of associations to take care of some of these issues right. earlier. It shouldn't take 40 years before you start yeah. looking at a building to see what it needs.
2: Yeah, I hope so. And I hope that it is a, a segmented yeah. issue. Unfortunately, obviously for the family families in that building, but there was questions about whether or not there were larger, broader issues of sea level rise and you know, that obviously would have a significant impact. No? Yeah, I think it's been proven for that specific building mm-hmm.
1: that not saying that there's not sea level rise issues, but right. that wasn't necessarily the cause of what happened in that specific instance. Right. But certainly something that has to be addressed. I think in general, so you asked about how that impacts the condo market and how that goes back. So I think people are still coming and they're still going to want to buy the simplicity of that condo lifestyle. It's a, you know, turn the key and walk out and as a second home, it's still, you're still going to see people attracted to that. And definitely for things built in the last 20 years. I think for the older buildings, there's going to be a much more of a analysis done as people are buying, Mm -hmm. looking at the situation, reading the condo docs, understanding the engineering reports and what are the conditions of those buildings. And there will be some situations where buildings simply can't afford the work that has to be done. And then that opens the door for other developers to come in and take them out. We're already seeing that happen. And that takes a long time as well. But I think that will have a long-term impact on the condo market in general of just what happens. And there's buildings that are in great locations and there's ones that are not in as great locations who still need the same amount of work done. Whether it's, you know, waterproofing that's led to different spalling or other concrete issues that they have and they need to be repaired. So I think that still remains to be seen as to what happens, but there's definitely some buildings that are ripe for developers to come in and take them out and do something more modern or I guess it, it, in some ways it's better because they'll do the work and improve the buildings that the, that the residents weren't able to do. Right. And you said you're already seeing that. that well, you, you already- can see it every day. I think some of the stuff you're seeing now has probably been in the works for some time because these things do take a long time to kind of mm-hmm. put together. But I think what's finally happening now, what we're seeing is demand for the, the engineering assessments, at least, so oh, people yeah. to get clarity in mm-hmm. terms of the condition of these buildings. Yeah. And that leads to the next decision as, okay, now what do we do? Right? What's the assessment amount? How does it impact the people there? Can they afford it? What's the
2: vote going to be? Those things just, they take a long time. Yeah. I mean, listen, and you're going to put a condo association. If the individuals can't afford it, right? Then it's, well, let's borrow the money now you're burying the condo association in debt to do the work and then there's all kinds of issues that sort of there's a few banks who specialize that. in that kind of lending yeah. and we've mm-hmm. had extensive conversations with
1: them recently city yeah. national bank being one of them and they're doing extensive audits of their putting you know of, of their risk right yep. in terms of before making those loans so i think just everyone has a heightened sense of kind of looking and wanting to understand the current status of those projects and are they financially viable when they don't want to make a loan to an association that can't repay so typically those have been pretty secure loans they're collateralized by the assessments Mm -hmm. so i think they're just looking at them a little bit more carefully now
2: how can miami i mean obviously you're not you're tied into the industry but how can miami from a construction and development position move forward to sort of continue and sustain the growth, right? I know there's some affordable housing issues and I know that's got to be addressed as well, right? So that we don't become in theory, another San Francisco or New York where it's just people have to leave the city because they just can't afford it. And then that obviously presents an issue because there's no infrastructure here. So you can't take a subway to work. You know, you can't take public transportation as easily as you can in other cities.
1: So I think that's a tough one. It's a a good question. It's a a tough tough question. I get it. I don't know about about you guys. I I bought my first home here you know, in Miami. I actually, my cousin and I bought a house together. I think we, you know, we paid a couple hundred thousand dollars, whatever it was, for a townhouse. Yeah. That product doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. Right. So for these first time home buyers, they don't have those options. And I think the mentality is different for a lot of people where they're, they just assume they're going to rent, right? Because the home ownership has become so, you know, aspirational, I think, unless you're saying like, you're saying you're really moving out and away from the, you know, from the city core. So I think what it does is create opportunities. You're seeing developers now trying to pull people back in and creating a more pedestrian friendly lifestyle, whether it's Wynwood or Brickell or or some of these markets, Midtown, exactly, where maybe the units are smaller, they're highly amenitized, they're more micro units. Mm -hmm. And almost like you're saying, the way that people would live in New York or San Francisco in giving them some of those options. We still have the options of people moving a little further out. If they have families, they want to do that, but it becomes harder to live in the central urban core. And I think that leads to just rethinking of these different cities. I mean, look how fast Wynwood has exploded, right? And yep. kind of now they have residential moving in there. So I think maybe you'll see similar downtown Miami, and there's other markets that still have the opportunity for you know for growth, but I think developers getting creative and trying to meet the needs of what the local working community wants. So.
2: It's yeah. That's that's I mean that's a difficult issue and one I think they're gonna have to work with the local governments on as well to address those issues. Transportation and, is a big one though. It's a huge People issue. People love their cars here. Yeah. <laughs> they do. They
1: do. And just like just like LA. But yeah, it is a big issue. It's something that we're gonna have to, you know, eventually sort out. But they're still they're still coming. Wow. So uh, let me ask you another question now, because I
0: was thinking about our you know, our listeners and our lawyers and how does somebody know When they need to hire you on the management on the you know the construction management side, because I think a lot of people, there's probably a lot of maybe less sophisticated. I shouldn't say that, but a lot of people who have construction projects, either in their business, you know, for example, we're using you guys now in connection with new office space. We needed a liaison we needed someone you're kind of like our outside general counsel someone who's can talk to the lawyers but someone who can talk construction language because we just don't speak that language how does somebody know you know that
1: they could use your service well, I think the most sophisticated groups, developers, you know, businesses that do a lot of construction, they recognize yeah, they the need in-house. So a lot of them, even they'll have a maybe someone in-house who is their construction right. type of person, and then they will still hire us or some other similar type of group to manage the day-to-day because mm-hmm. it is a full-time job right. to manage the day-to-day of any large construction project. And what's interesting about construction is, first of all, it's a slow-to-evolve industry, and every industry needs it right? in order to get whatever it is. A new Retail store, a new office, a new whatever, you have to go through the construction industry. So it becomes a really important part of the fabric of what happens. Necessary evil. (laughs) So I think for people, like if you're building a, a single family home, Some of it is just, is there value in having a professional who's going to manage the whole process for you and hopefully Mm. save you time and money on your budget and have a better product and a better experience? You know, not that you can't do it yourself, but it's like a lot of things. Like, do you you hire a professional or any other professional service for something that you can do, you know, that you can't do yourself? Right.
0: Yeah. I kind of view it like a lot of small businesses who could use an outside or a a general counsel to liaison with their lawyers that they use. And I also think it it would apply in health. Healthcare. It would be great to have a medical manager, kind of like the construction manager that you are, that can interface with all your doctors and kind of tell you in plain language what it is you
1: need from a more you know holistic perspective. Yeah, you know? we compare it to like a financial manager. I mean, you can, right. you yeah. can manage your own yeah. financial portfolio as well, you know, or you could choose to have a professional who does that every day. So, and hopefully, the value is there, right? That the that the earnings outweigh the the costs, and that's I think we look at it very similarly. Great. I love it. Amicon, look for the signs everywhere.
0: Everywhere. Just be careful when you're driving. (laughs) Yeah. If you need to reach Adam, you will have his contact information in the show notes. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please give us a five-star review. Follow us and share it with your friends and family. And if you have any questions about this episode or something we discussed or something we didn't discuss and you want to hear from us, please contact us either on our website or at bastamron.com or any of the details in the show notes. Thank you to Adam Mopsik. Thanks, Adam. Appreciate
2: your time. This was a great conversation. And thank you to the great Nelson. Nelson, thank you. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you having me. For
0: more information on this show and other resources, visit FastAmron.com and connect with us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram at fastamron.